Redonda Vaught. Redonda Leanne Vaught. Redonda 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 Vaught. Miss Redonda Vaught. Redonda Vaught recklessly ignored everything that she learned in school when she administered a paralyzing agent to Charlene Murphy and killed her. When I started being a nurse, uh, I told myself that I wanted to take care of people the way that I would want my grandmother to be taken care of. I would have never wanted something like this to happen to her or anyone that I loved or anyone that I don't even know. Welcome to episode three of Not Safe at Work, a show that exposes everything that's wrong in the workplace, unsafe working conditions, mistreatment of employees, toxic work environments, corrupt corporate culture. I'm your host, Alexis, and the story I have for you today is going to change the healthcare industry forever. Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022 became the first day in history that a healthcare worker was tried as a criminal and ultimately convicted of homicide for making an honest but detrimental mistake on the job. This is the unbelievable, unimaginable, absolute tragic story of Redonda Vaught. Have you ever had a day at work where you're just feeling a little bit off? Maybe you didn't sleep enough or maybe you didn't eat enough or maybe you've been assigned to train someone that day and you're just a little bit distracted. Then you slip up. You make a horrible mistake that ultimately leads to the death of a patient. But it wasn't on purpose. Then your company, one of the most prestigious hospitals in the state that you live in, covers it up, purposely fails to document the incident, does not report it to the state, which is required by law, pays off the victim's family, and fires you so they don't tarnish their invaluable reputation. What if I told you that over four years later, your honest mistake could lead to you being tried and found guilty of criminal negligent homicide and abuse of an impaired adult, while the hospital gets by completely 100% unscathed? The district attorney of Tennessee, who is currently up for re-election, by the way, had the final say in trying Redonda as a criminal. Charlene Murphy's family opposed criminal prosecution. So this is the state of Tennessee versus Redonda Vaught. After the successful completion of curriculum that includes studies in microbiology, pharmacology, psychology, ethics, to name just a few, and countless hours of clinics, successful nursing graduates attend a special Ceremony. The state's opening statement talks about nurses completing their schooling and attending a pinning ceremony, which is a welcoming of nurses into the profession. I can't help but find it a little odd that we have non-medical professionals, non-nurses, explaining the way nursing school and their graduation works. You see, you're going to hear that in nursing school, one of the things that they go over again, 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 from the beginning to the end, are the five rights of medication, the five rights that nurses must follow to administer 
medication. Number one, the right patient. Number two, the right drug. Number three, the right dose. Number four, the right route. And number five, the right time. Ladies and gentlemen, you are going to hear that on December the 26th, 2017, Redonda Vault recklessly ignored everything that she learned in school when she administered a paralyzing agent to Charlene Murphy and killed her. Charlene Murphy was a 75-year-old woman admitted to Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee on December 24, 2017. She was developing a major headache and even lost vision in one of her eyes and as a result was admitted to the hospital where she was diagnosed with a brain bleed. After two days, she was seemingly improving and being prepared to be discharged. She was ordered by doctors to have a PET scan, a scan in which would likely determine the cause of Ms. Murphy's brain bleed. A PET scan is a positron emission tomography scan, and the patient lies down on a narrow table inside of this round hole in this big machine. Charlene Murphy was claustrophobic, and she said that she needed a sedative before going inside that PET scan machine. Redonda Vaught is a 38-year-old farm girl from the small town of Bethpage, Tennessee. Her peers and her co-workers describe her as an excellent nurse and a wonderful person. She had been working at Vanderbilt in December of 2017 for only two years and with only one year of prior nursing experience. And as far as I can tell, she had no history of making mistakes or cutting corners or getting in trouble and no documentation of errors on the job at all. But on December 26, 2017, a fellow nurse asked Redonda to retrieve and administer Charlene Murphy's sedative before her PET scan. She was told to give Miss Murphy Versed, or Midazolam, which is its generic name. So now Redonda goes to get the medicine, and here's where the trouble begins. Vanderbilt utilized an AccuDose machine. It's an automated medication dispensing cabinet, and it's designed to provide nurses with fast and easy-to-access medications on the patient floor. But one thing that's not been discussed at all and was not mentioned at all in the state's opening statement is the problems that were going on at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center at that time in 2017. This is Redondo's attorney at the trial. They were having significant problems with their electronic health record, the AccuDose dispensing cabinet, and the pharmacy computer. At that point in time, they were just not communicating with each other. Obviously, the state doesn't want to talk about any of the systemic problems that I think you'll be hearing about. So the way it's supposed to happen is that when a doctor orders a medication for a patient, the pharmacy is supposed to put that medication through to that patient's chart, which should appear within a few minutes. Then a nurse would go into that chart on the AccuDose machine and the medication should be there to be easily taken out. However, multiple nurses who worked at Vanderbilt in December of 2017 testified that there were long delays with medications showing up in patients' charts because Vanderbilt was in the process of switching over to a new software system called Epic. And because of these delays, nurses were routinely performing overrides to get out the medications that they needed. So according to the state and court documents, when Redonda couldn't find Versed, spelled V-E-R-S-E-D, in Miss Murphy's chart, she manually began typing in V-E, which ultimately resulted in her obtaining Facuronium, which is a powerful paralyzing agent that Redonda accidentally administered to Charlene Murphy and allegedly ended in her death. An autopsy was never done, so there's been some speculation around whether this drug actually did kill Charlene Murphy or not. 
I didn't hear Redonda's attorney say that part about her typing in VE on the Accudos. What he said was that she obtained what she thought she needed from a small supply cabinet. Here's Redonda's version of what happened that day on December 26, 2017. And Ethan called and said that his patient, uh, CM, was in radiology to have a scan and that she needed a medication for anxiety. I went to the Accudose machine to look for the medication that he said had been ordered for her, and I couldn't find it under her listed medications. So I called him back. I was pulling this medication. Um, I didn't think to double check what I thought I had pulled from the machine. Um, I used the override function. I don't recall ever seeing any warnings that showed up on the monitor. Um, if there was a warning on the drawer, it didn't strike me. It, there are a lot of drawers with warnings. It's a critical care area. I walked across the hall to the tube station, and at that point, Ethan approached me, and he was holding the bag of contents that I had given him earlier. He asked if this was the medication that I had given Miss Murphy, and I looked at the bag. I looked at the bag, and I confirmed that it was. Um, and that's when he said, it's not Versed, it's Becuronium. So I, I asked him to give the bag to our charge nurse. Do you recall seeing the warning paralytic around the top of the vial? If it was there, I did not acknowledge it. Desensitizing, alarm fatigue, and you get used to certain processes. I'm pretty sure it's a big factor in how a lot of mistakes happen. You get used to a certain thing. You trust what the computer says you ignore that alarm because you've heard it 10,000 times and it's been you know false or inappropriate. Charlene Murphy was discovered about 30 minutes later after she'd been given the wrong medication. She was unresponsive, she was unable to breathe and she'd suffered cardiac arrest. So she was put on a breathing machine until ultimately passing away 10 hours later after being removed from the machine. Now, a few other things worth mentioning are that Redonda had the responsibility of training another nurse that day. So she was being shadowed, which could have contributed to her being distracted when she pulled and administered the medication. Something else that was mentioned in the trial is that there was no electronic scanner in the PET scan area, which is where Redonda administered Charlene Murphy's medication. Had there been a scanner and Redonda scanned the medication, it would have alerted her that this medication was not listed in her chart. One of the nurses that testified at the trial has been a nurse for 30 years and is currently a nurse educator at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. She explains that newer nurses are more reliant on technology and scanning medications because that's the way that they're trained now. The state argued that a major mistake that Redonda made was that she didn't override to retrieve the vecuronium. However, multiple nurses testified that performing overrides to retrieve medication had become a routine thing to do at Vanderbilt at this time because of systemic issues going on at the hospital. Here's that nurse educator I mentioned that had been working with Redonda at the time of this accident. So in that fall, we had gone to a new electronic healthcare system, and that did create some problems with our medication dispensing machine. When we first went over to that, there was an increase in how often nurses had to override medications. So prior to that system, there were several things that we did not have to override that we did once that system was complete. For example, 
if a patient had a medication that was prescribed to them that was not low, like not automatically stocked in that, they would come up and put them in a patient-specific bin. Um, prior to that new health system, there would be a um, in the patient medication profile there would be an option for patient-specific or patient bin. Once the healthcare system switched over, there was a period of time where you could no longer go in those patient-specific drawers without hitting the override. So you would have to override for patient-specific medications um, for the bin, but also any medications that were housed in that refrigerator. Um, there were also some other things like normal saline. So if you had a medication that needed a carrier for normal saline, um, we would have to override to get that carrier out. Um, we also had to override normal saline if you had a patient that needed our arterial line, which has normal saline providing pressure behind it to help keep the vessel open so that you can see a, a um, blood pressure. So we had to override for that. So there were several like rather benign things that you had to override. I don't know exactly for how long, but for a considerable amount of time to where it became pretty routine for people to do. In case you missed that, she said that there were many benign things that you had to do an override in order to retrieve the medication from the machine. My problem with this is that the state tries to make it seem like performing an override is so insane and, I guess, criminal for Redonda to have done. But it sounds like this was completely normal and a routine process at Vanderbilt, and it was completely out of the control of the nurses. Is this not a systemic problem? A Vanderbilt problem? And to go off that, where would you expect an Accudose machine, a machine that is responsible for dispensing patient-specific medications, to be located? Now, I'm obviously not a nurse, but common sense would tell me that this machine should be located in an isolated private area to avoid any possible distractions at all. We have three of those machines. They're all located in hallways. The one that um, I believe she retrieved the medication is kind of the main one, and it's in kind of a high... There's a lot of traffic around that machine. Sort of a high traffic area? Yes. Area. Yes, and it's out in the hall. It's one of the main fare-throughs that um, staff take to get to the back of the unit. Um, a lot of times when patients are being transported to scans and stuff, they go right past that machine. So there's a lot of traffic through there. What I'm picturing is basically a vending machine full of medications in a noisy, busy, high traffic area where patients are openly able to approach you and distract you. As a patient, do you want your medication being retrieved in the same setting as a kid retrieving a candy bar from a vending machine in a school cafeteria? So what's Vanderbilt's role in all this? And how did Redonda even end up in this situation in the first place? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Vanderbilt did appear to try and cover this up initially by signing out Charlene Murphy's death certificate as natural causes. And then they fired Redonda a few days after this accident happened, even though she took all the proper steps she was supposed to by reporting herself immediately within minutes of learning about her mistake. She filled out a Veritas report, which is supposed to be a private incident report, and Vanderbilt later released not only this report, but all of Redonda's previous Veritas reports. Something else that's super shady is that Redonda, when she was fired, they told her that they would be reporting her to the Board of Nursing, but that she wouldn't be hearing from them for many, many months. How would they possibly know this? Well, it turns out that they purposely waited to report her till after coming to a settlement with Charlene Murphy's family and having them sign non-disclosure agreements. And that's why only Charlene Murphy's daughter-in-law testified at the trial. And said, I want to know if that's my mother-in-law and I want to know now. And 
I believe it was her that came back and said it was your mother-in-law. And I, I lost some time there. But anyway, I took off around the hall because of room 15. And as I turned the corner, I saw my mother-in-law with all those people around her working on her. And they made me leave. I really hope that people supporting Redonda and all this doesn't take away the attention from what immense pain and sadness that Charlene Murphy's family must be feeling. Nobody's saying that Redonda didn't make a horrible mistake. We know that she did, but it wasn't on purpose. But still, I can't help but wonder if Charlene Murphy's family is like, hey, what about us? So after Redonda was reported for the first time, 10 months after the accident even happened, the Tennessee Department of Health did an initial investigation in October of 2018, and they concluded that there should be no disciplinary action taken against Redonda because she did not act with criminal negligence. Then, an anonymous whistleblower, who I don't know who it is, I think Redonda knows, and hopefully that'll eventually come out, but this whistleblower alerted the state and the federal agency's medication error at Vanderbilt. So this is where CMS gets involved and they come down on Vanderbilt about Charlene Murphy's death certificate saying natural causes when at least 12 members of the hospital staff were well aware of what really happened. And they knew they had seven days to report this incident to the Tennessee Department of Health, which they failed to do on purpose. So then CMS threatens to take away Vanderbilt's ability to care for Medicare patients unless they take action to prevent a mistake like this from ever happening again. So it wasn't until this threat that the hospital made any changes at all. And this is where the finger pointing debate of employee problem versus systemic problem begins. I think you're going to see we are engaged in a pretty high stakes game of musical chairs and blame shifting. When the music stopped abruptly, there was no chair for Adonda Vaught. Vanderbilt University Medical Center, they, they found a seat. The doctor who ordered the drug and gave a direction that she did not have to be monitored, he found a seat. The primary care nurse who passed on the information that she didn't have to be unmonitored. So Peter tripped up his words a little bit here, but what he means to say is that the doctor that ordered the medication for Charlene Murphy, the Versed, he made a verbal order that Miss Murphy did not need to be monitored after she'd been given Versed because she's done well with it in the past. Redonda even questioned this too. Weirdly enough, the doctor that made this verbal order was nowhere to be seen or heard from at the trial. He's found a seat. The Department of Health has found a seat. The nursing board has found a seat. But in the blame game, there's no seat for... Over the past few weeks, hospitals and organizations around the nation have been putting out public statements directly in response to this case. The National Association of Catholic Nurses, the National League for Nursing, the International Council of Nurses. All these responses are aligned with one another, and I wanted to read part of the National League for Nursing statement titled, NLN Promotes a Just Culture Approach with Healthcare Errors. It says, quote, the National League for Nursing joins the American Nurses Association, among other professional organizations, in recognizing the danger associated with criminalizing healthcare errors. The best way to address human medical error include astute management, close scrutiny, ongoing oversight, and continuous implementation of ever-evolving safeguards. Also vital are confidential, transparent organizational channels for all parties involved to come forward voluntarily to honestly self-report mistakes. We believe it is vital to support a just culture where individuals are held accountable for misconduct or gross negligence in an environment where individuals can report errors and organizations can improve processes to promote safe and quality health care delivery, unquote. 
So they mentioned a just culture, and I want to touch on that a little bit more. A just culture is the opposite of a blame culture. People are still responsible and accountable, but organizations are also accountable for their systems that they have in place. Most nurses that I've talked to and on social media seem to be pretty familiar with this term. But during the trial, the state called a so-called expert nurse to the stand with 47 years of nursing experience. And when asked if she knew what a just culture was, here's what she had to say. Are you familiar with just culture? Not exactly, no. Okay. And you've been a nurse for 47 years? 49 years. 49 I, pra I practiced 47. And you've not heard of just culture? I have, but I can't recall exactly what it's what it means. Can you explain what just culture is? Just culture, my understanding, is that if there is an inadvertent error or a mistake, that the model is not to punish your way to patient safety. Okay. Recognize the problem and address the problem. Which is what you should do, but it just wasn't one mistake. <laughs> let, me, let me read this to you. In a just culture, inadvertent behavior, human error is not worthy of disciplinary sanction. And this is what the Institute for Safe Medication Practice is saying. Regardless of the outcome and the quality of, the quality of behavioral choices made during an event are thoroughly examined to determine whether there was a conscious disregard of significant risks. Also, disciplinary sanctions are not imposed for at-risk behaviors including not following the rules. Any system design failures that may have contributed to not following the rules must be examined and factored into the judgment of the behavior. Do you agree with that? Not completely. Ever since the trial, nurses have taken to social media expressing their, let's say, displeasement with this representation of the nursing community. She talks about not having computers when she began nursing, and she seems to be really out of touch with modern-day nursing practices. Not to mention, she doesn't even appear to have any kind of advanced nursing degree, so I don't know who came up with this term expert nurse or why, but anyway, I wanted to play a little bit more of her testimony. Well, I believe as a nurse it is your responsibility to know what the medications are that you give and to follow those five rights. That's something we, are, we learn very early in, in nursing school. You're not suggesting to this jury that Nurse Vaught consciously administered vecuronium to Ms. Murphy, are you? No, I'm not. But that's kind of like, you know, driving down the road drunk. You don't consciously plan on running into somebody, well, but a, you're not paying any difference. And, and what we've got here. Well, that's true, but you're still held responsible for it, right. so, somebody, whether you mean to do it or not. Somebody has to consciously go into a bar and have drink after drink after drink to get into the condition and then go out and commit the crime. You're but they not, don't intend to do it. You're not equating drunk driving and vehicular homicide with a medication error, are you? All I'm saying is that they still don't intend to do it. I know she didn't intend to do it. I know that. Then, then why'd you bring up the drunk driving? Because it's the same uh, thing. They don't intend to go out and kill somebody even though they drank too much. She didn't intend to have this happen, despite the fact that she failed to do everything appropriately. Some people were pointing out that maybe this is just the only nurse they could get to testify against Redonda. So how is Redonda doing after all of this? And in her mind, what effect is this whole situation, criminalizing a medical error, going to have on the healthcare system? I'll say after this week has been done, yesterday afternoon, whenever I left, it was a big weight lifted off my shoulders. 
And when I say weight, I mean the, the weight of this legal process, not the weight of Mrs. Murphy's life being lost. I want to make that really clear because that's something that will always be with me. Anytime you take care of a patient and, and you have some sort of a thing that bonds you, you don't, good or bad, you don't forget that as a nurse or as any good healthcare provider. Today, I, what the jury decides is going to have more of an impact on the nursing community and healthcare overall than it's going to have on me personally because I know, I know what I have done and I know what I've taken away from her family and I know that ultimately I know what I'm responsible for. Um, it's it's going to have a, an impact on transparency in healthcare. And any time you hold someone's life in your hands, you have an obligation to do the best you can. And if you don't, you have an obligation to tell the truth and to make it very clear to those around you that can make changes to make it better. This is what I did. Everything, I left no stone unturned. And I, I think that it's important, regardless of what this jury comes back, I don't want the nursing community to lose sight of of that. The truth will set you free, and it doesn't matter if you know I'm found guilty of these charges, and uh, Judge Smith decides that you know I have to go serve time for this. My life will move forward, but the impact that it's going to have on on people in healthcare is going to be tragic. It's very obvious by the district attorney's actions and the assistant DAs that are prosecuting this case, all three of them and their lies. It is very obvious. They don't know shit about healthcare. They don't give a fuck about nurses. I don't care what Chad Jackson says. This is Chad Jackson, assistant district attorney and one of the three state prosecutors in the trial against Redonda. Well, this case wasn't just about simple professional negligence. It was gross neglect of a patient. And the homicide charge is that she deviated so far from the standard of care and fell so far below the standard of care that she was grossly negligent in that regard, leading to Charlene Murphy's death. In this case, it was all of the actions of Redon Devot. Vanderbilt did not put that medication in her hand. Vanderbilt did not make her override the system. Chad Jackson later stated that, quote, this was not a case against the nursing community. This was about the actions of one individual, unquote. You know what? I, you know what I have to say to the nursing community and the healthcare community? When you see those individuals walk through the doors of your facilities, because they will eventually, you remember what you were taught in nursing school. You treat them just like you would every other patient, and you take care of them just like you would every other patient that is what people deserve when they walk through the doors of our healthcare facilities. They do not deserve to be berated and drugged through the mud with that ridiculous display of lies yesterday. That is what sets healthcare workers apart from people like them. We hold ourselves to a higher level of accountability than they ever will. Based on Redonda's attorney's opening statement and from Redonda's interviews, it seems like she was considering taking the stand during the trial, but after the way it was going, she decided not to. What good is it going to do me to get on the stand and let him berate me like that? Because I knew that that's what they were going to do. What good is it for me to, to put myself through that? It, it doesn't do any good. And it, it was frustrating 
to listen to them say all of the things they did and just really make up some, uh, yeah, they're, they're a creative bunch. I'll give them that. So obviously I don't know for sure what lies Redonda is referring to, but I will say that nurses have been pointing out on social media that the supposed evidence that the state had, the vial that Redonda administered to Miss Murphy, it had plenty of red paralyzing warning signs on it, but what it didn't have was a visible puncture hole in the top of the vial. For them, this is a game. This is a political game, and it has been from day one. I mean, the timeline of events for anyone who has watched this and has enough time uh, to read, unlike that, unlike their expert from yesterday, can very clearly see that there is not a motive of justice here. There is a motive of someone has to look bad and I think people in Davidson County should remember that when they go to vote. Isn't Glenn Funk up for re-election? <laughs> remember that, people of Davidson County. Glenn Funk is the district attorney of Davidson County in Nashville, Tennessee. And like I said earlier, he was the one who made the ultimate decision to indict Redonda as a criminal. Currently running against Glenn Funk for district attorney is Sarah Beth Myers. I wanted to read a statement that she put out. It says, quote, as your district attorney, I will not criminally charge medical professionals for mistakes that amount to civil medical malpractice. Instead, I will focus the limited resources of the district attorney's office on crime prevention, civil rights, and restorative justice. The DA's decision to charge Redon Devot is just one more example of how his misjudgments continue to make our community more divided and less safe. It's time for change. Learn more about my platform at MyersForDA.com. Unquote. Early voting for the Davidson County primary election is already going on. It's April 13, 2022 to April 28, 2022. Election day is May 3rd, so that should be a very interesting and telling result. So going back a little bit to the hospital's role in all of this, I really don't think that the Vanderbilt University Medical Center ever expected or wanted this to happen because, frankly, all it's done is tarnish their own reputation, which I feel like, ironically, is all they were trying to avoid in the first place. But now people are tearing them apart on social media, purposely and successfully trying to lower their ratings on Google and Yelp reviews. They're hashtagging nurses support nurses and I stands with Redonda and accusing the hospital of using her as a scapegoat. A lot of the comments are along the lines of, don't work here if you want to be convicted of murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Vault, guilty of criminally negligent homicide. Guilty of gross neglect of an impaired adult. Thank you. you may be seated. When asked what the most positive thing, if any, that's come out of this whole experience so far, I expected Redonda to say something about nurses coming together or the community supporting her or something like that, but listen to her answer. And ask yourself, does this sound like a criminal? The most positive thing that I have experienced was I, uh, the two interactions that I had with her, her grandson. And he was so incredibly nice to me. He was just the kindest person. And I think it was a good reflection of the kind of person that Miss Murphy was. Um, it, he was he was incredibly kind and my healing process really started after that interaction with him. I feel like a lot of people in Redonda's shoes would kind of make this whole situation about themselves, but Redonda is the opposite. She's using this as a platform to raise awareness for the major issues that nurses face. 
She in no way makes this about herself, and she wants change and improvement in the nursing community. I think for a long time, the nursing community has been needing to come together as a group. And over the last 15 to 20 years, as things get more public in general, social media coverage of things and people's ability to have a voice outside of a major organization like most doctors have, you know, money and lobbying and things like that. The nursing community is different and so I think social media has given them a big voice and a way to come together and they have rallied behind some really important things, not just this case but other things in healthcare. I'm just grateful to have been a part of such an amazing group of people and I'm glad to see that nurses are coming together and they're standing up and they are voicing their concerns because we need we need to be we need to be voicing our concerns. The last thing I wanted to ask you is do you feel like you've been scapegoated in all of this? I'm gonna let you answer that question. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I'm not responsible for my actions. Not at all. I've been very clear with everyone that I spoke with the Tennessee Department of Health, multiple investigators, Vanderbilt, TBI, everyone. I have, I have not shied away from my responsibility, but healthcare is a system. I don't go to work in a vacuum. I work in a healthcare system. Every healthcare provider works in a healthcare system. We have to work together. We all have an obligation to do better. I messed up and I owned my mistakes and I will pay the price for that. Um, but it's not about paying a price. It's about doing the right thing. Redonda's sentencing is scheduled for Friday, May 13th, 2022, where a judge will decide her fate. Already stripped of her job and her nursing license, will she spend one to six years in prison? Will this honest, grieving woman spend time behind bars for making a fatal medication error while working as a nurse? I, I won't ever be the same person. Um, it's really, I, when I started being a nurse, uh, I told myself that I wanted to take care of people the way that I would want my grandmother to be taken care of. I would have never wanted something like this to happen to her or anyone that I loved, or anyone that I don't even know. My last question is for all you hospitals and healthcare organizations out there. What are you going to do if one of your workers makes a mistake? Are you going to stand with them in a just culture and make an effort to improve as a system to change the things that could have contributed to this mistake in the first place? Or are you going to let them take the fall alone, potentially end up in prison for making an accidental mistake? Now, who am I to say if Redonda deserves what she got or not, or if this is right or if it's wrong? But one thing I do know for sure is that criminalizing an honest, accidental medical mistake has caused nurses all over the country to feel not safe at work.
thank you everyone for listening to episode three of Not Safe at Work. If you're interested in ways that you can help support Redonda, I have everything linked on notsafeatworkpodcast.com. And if you or anyone you know has a story worth sharing, anything dealing with corrupt corporate culture, mistreatment of employees, unsafe working conditions, or if you're a healthcare worker that wants to share your thoughts and perspective on Redonda's story, please reach out to me at notsafeatworkpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at notsafeatworkpodcast. And follow me on Twitter at NotSafeAtWorkPC. That stands for podcast. The whole thing just wouldn't fit in the handle. And I know I said before that episodes would be coming out weekly and then bi-weekly. And I'm learning that this is taking a little bit longer than anticipated. So for now, let's just say episode four will come out when it's done.